Man, if you noticed, I sound a little different today. A little bit different today. I've had some allergy stuff going on, so don't let me throw you off with a creaky little crackly voice today. I'm not going through puberty. <clears throat> I have long since crossed that bridge. Um, just a little, little bit of stuff going on here today. Uh, Pastor Josh does not have COVID. All right, he does not have the plague. He's just got some allergy stuff going on. And unfortunately, that's part of living in the South. It's the only thing I don't like about living in the South is all the allergy stuff, man. It's just the mating habits of plants and trees should not interfere. That's one thing I'm looking forward to in heaven. Won't be any pollen. Won't be any mold. Won't be any allergies or anything like that. So I'm going to be sipping a little bit of tea today um, as we navigate through the message. So... Bear with me. I won't let my voice bother me. Don't let it bother you. And hopefully, it'll stay with me through the whole message today. It's a good incentive to dive right into it, right? So, I will say this, though. If you're a guy, and you know what qualifies you to be a guy, so if you're a guy in here, and if you don't know whether you're a guy or not, we can pray you through that today and help you uh, land on some solid ground with that. But if you're a guy, listen... The men's breakfast this upcoming Saturday at 9.30 a.m. Now, I heard a bunch of women shout for women of valor. I didn't hear a lot of guys shouting for the men's breakfast. So let's do a retake on that. Men, are we going to show up strong for the men's breakfast this Saturday at 9.30 a.m.? Yeah, there we go. It's going to be awesome. Well, we don't know what we're going to eat. Look, you know Pastor Josh. Pastor Josh knows food. All right, I'm going to steer you right. We're going to, it's going to be good. Um, flapjacks, we're going to have some hash brown casseroles, breakfast casseroles, smoked sausage, some bacon. Oh, it's going to be good, y'all. Um, how about a little bit of monkey bread in there? And lots of coffee and some juices and, and fresh fruits and all that stuff. But it's going to be a great, great breakfast. I'm going to give you a brief word that morning too, and then we're going to get on with the day, but it's going to be an awesome time to hang out and, uh, and eat some good food. It's going to be awesome, so make sure you don't miss that. Whew, so far, so good with my voice, right? So far, so good. All right. Let me tell you a story. It's hilarious. <clears throat> School teacher gave the students an assignment one day. She said, I want you to go home and I want you to talk to your mom and dad and I want you to get them to tell you a story about something that happened in your family that has a good moral ending to it. And the student said, okay. So they went home, came back the next day. Teacher said, okay, it's time for you to tell your stories. Little Susie went first and she said, one day we were going down the road in our truck and we had a bunch of eggs in a basket that we were taking to the farmer's market to sell. And we hit a bump in the road and all the eggs went up in the air out of the basket and crashed onto the floor and they all broke. And the teacher said, okay, so what's the moral of the story? And little Susie said, the moral is don't put all your eggs in one basket. And the teacher said, well, that's awesome. <clears throat> and one by one, all the students told their story, and then it came time for Johnny to tell his story. She said, Johnny, share with the class your story. Johnny said, I'm going to tell you a story that my dad told me about our Aunt Karen. <laughs> 
teacher said, okay. She said, go for it. Johnny said, it was the middle of the war. And my Aunt Karen was a pilot in the Air Force. And she was flying supplies across enemy lines for our troops and got shot down. There was a big explosion in the plane and everybody was killed except for my Aunt Karen. And she just jumped up and ran to the back of the plane and grabbed what she could on the way out. She grabbed a parachute, she grabbed a machine gun, she grabbed a survival knife, she grabbed a bottle of whiskey, she jumped out of the plane. And all the way down, she drank the bottle of whiskey empty and saw she was gonna land in the middle of some enemy troops, so she threw the bottle of whiskey down at the enemy troops. She landed on the ground and realized immediately she was surrounded by a 100 enemy soldiers. And my Aunt Karen took the machine gun and just opened fire and killed 70 enemy soldiers before she ran out of ammo. Threw the machine gun at them, took out her knife, and went to town on the rest of them and killed 20 more soldiers before she broke the knife. And then my Aunt Karen took a deep breath and killed the remaining 10 soldiers with her bare hands and walked out of the jungle by herself. And the school teacher went, oh my Lord. Uh, What did your dad say was the moral of the story? And little Johnny said, my dad said the moral of the story was, don't be around Aunt Karen when she's drinking. (laughs) How many of y'all have an Aunt Karen in your family? Yeah. Don't want to be around her. Stories are fun. Uh, You can communicate all kinds of stuff in a story, but I'll tell you this. The most powerful story that we have is our own story. Our own story about what God's done in our life and how he's changed us. In fact, I go so far as to say, your story is the most powerful tool you have to reach others. The story that you have is the most powerful tool that you have to reach other people. And I think oftentimes we overlook it and downplay it. We'd rather look to spiritual gifts. We'd rather look to spiritual fruit. We'd rather look to being able to quote scripture eloquently or being able to apologetically defend what we say we believe. And all those things are important. But the most, empower, the most powerful and really I think the most important tool that we have that God's given us that nobody can take away from us is our story. <clears throat> Whether you got a voice or not, your story matters. Your story is important. Your story allows you to connect with people in a real way, to talk to them about a real Jesus. Because your story is personal. And nobody has the story that you have. And think about that for a second. Behind every set of eyes today is a story of experiences, sunrises, sunsets, challenges, victories, and failures. Behind every set of eyes today, there's a story unique to you so that you can uniquely reach the people around you with your story. And 
While we're in this series talking about reaching others and reaching our community and reaching the world for Jesus, which is important, there's no way we cannot talk about the importance of our testimony and our story. Our story is absolutely unique and it's absolutely powerful. <clears throat> in fact, in Revelation 12, verse 11, it gives us a picture of how powerful our story actually is. It says, and they have defeated him, him being Satan. They have defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony. They did not love their life so much that they were afraid to die. By the blood of the lamb and by their testimony. I love that it says that. By the blood of the lamb and not, not, how well you could defend scripture, but by your testimony, by speaking personally about what Jesus has done in your life. Now, anybody can do that, right? You can tell a story. And I can tell a story about when I went to an Auburn, Alabama game, and Auburn beat Alabama for six times in a row. I was there that day. Man, it was so awesome. It was so awesome. It's so awesome. It's amazing when you start speaking the truth. Demons begin to manifest and interrupt the service. You hear all these Alabama fans starting to speak up. But, um, well, I was, I was at the game last year. Somebody blessed me with tickets and I was at the game this last year. Four overtimes. And dadgum Alabama won. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. I can tell a story about that and it's easy because I experienced it. It's easy to talk about our experience with Jesus provided we have an authentic experience. With Jesus, our testimony is important. Have you ever wondered why in this passage of scripture it says that we overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony? Your testimony's powerful. In fact, I would say that if you're not using your story or using your testimony to reach others for Jesus and remind you of God's goodness in your life, you are not overcoming life and the enemy and everything the enemy can throw at you at the level that you could be if you were actively using your story and reminding yourself of how good God is. Amen? Man, because when you're focused on him and what he's done, it's real easy to tell the devil to shut up and leave you alone. Testimonies are powerful. There's a little more to that, though, than most people think. And I want to show you something in Scripture that a lot of people don't realize. It's just amazing to me, and I hope I can articulate this correctly, squeaky voice and all, this morning. Um, they told me that auto-tune would not fix what was going on with my voice today. So, but we did try. So, you know the old joke that people tell, how long did it take Moses to build the ark? See, I'm picking on you on Time Change Sunday. Moses didn't build the ark. Noah built the ark. So, it took Noah a while to build the ark. Do you ever wonder why scripture records Noah building an ark and not a boat? 
So we read over it a lot of times. We're like, ah, he built an ark. What's an ark? It's a big boat. That's not what an ark is. It's not what an ark. In fact, uh, the Hebrew language that they were speaking then, uh, there was actually a word for boat that God chose not to use, that was chosen to not be used in Scripture. God told Noah to build an ark. Now, it was a large ship, but the terminology was powerful and symbolic. Okay, um, an ark <clears throat> was simply, in translation, a box. It can also be translated a basket or a container. Okay, for, and this is part of the definition, for protecting and defending. It was a box used for protecting and defending in the context of deliverance. That's what the Hebrew definition for the word ark is. So God told Moses to build a container for the purpose of protection and defending to be delivered. That's what God was telling Moses, or Noah, rather. Falling victim to to my own joke here, good gravy. So that's what he told Noah to build. Now here's what's crazy, all right? When Moses was put in a basket by his mother and pushed down the river to avoid being killed by Pharaoh. Y'all remember reading this in scripture? Ever wondered why a basket didn't sink? Like a woven basket? Why would it not sink? Because it wasn't a basket. Remember, basket is a definition of the word ark. Correctly interpreted, this scripture says that Moses was placed in an ark and put down the river for his protection, his defense, and his deliverance for what was about to happen to him. It's crazy, huh? Now, the third time that the word ark is used in the Old Testament is used in reference to the ark of the covenant. When God put his presence into the ark that was built for the children of Israel to carry around with them so the presence of God could go with them. What's different in this is the first two arks were used for deliverance and protection. The third ark was used for God's presence to reside with his people and dwell with his people for their protection, for their defense, and for their deliverance, but he was now with them to stay with them. Powerful, powerful. The Ark of the Covenant. Covenant is a powerful word because the word covenant, it literally means to cut until blood flows. It was the most powerful form of agreement that two people could come into in that day and age. Didn't have a lot of legal systems or reps or or judges and all of that stuff, but what you did have was a covenant to bind tribes together and to protect. <clears throat> so the Ark of the Covenant, the most powerful agreement between God and man at the time, was given to Israel. Now check this out. The Ark of the Covenant. Covenant's a good translation of the word, but covenant alone is not the only translation for this word that's used, okay? It is the Ark of the Covenant 
The actual definition means covenant of the testimony or testimony of the covenant. So what Israel had was an ark that shared the testimony of the covenant between God and his people. So the ark was a symbol, though the presence of God resided in it, the ark was a symbol to remind people of the testimony of the covenant that it represented. Powerful. When Jesus sat with his disciples before he was crucified, he told his disciples that this is the new covenant in my blood. It's a new covenant for you. What's the new covenant? The new covenant of grace that comes from the, the pain of our sins by Jesus' sacrifice. We enter into a new covenant, a new covenant. So that old covenant, or the testimony of that old covenant was then renewed and replaced by the new covenant of what Jesus did for us on the cross to set us free. Now, this is the new covenant. A better translation is this is the testimony of the new covenant of what Jesus has done. Why is that important? Because when you share your testimony It is powerful and it's symbolic because you are speaking about not just some story of what Jesus did on the cross, but you're talking about the new covenant, the testimony of that new covenant that you have in Christ with God the Father that's unique to you. Your testimony is powerful. That's why you overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony because the word of your testimony speaks back to the power of the covenant that you have in Christ. And who you are and everything that you have in it. Man, that's powerful stuff when you begin to think. It's more than just a story It's more than just, hey, here's what happened to me. You are literally speaking biblically about the power of a new covenant that you are in with Jesus. That's awesome to me. Why? Because it becomes personal. Personal. Not a covenant between Christ and his church or Christ with all believers on planet earth, a specific and unique covenant with you through the blood of Jesus. And I think a lot of times that gets overlooked. You have a unique story and a powerfully personal story to tell about what Jesus has done in your life. And John, John even thought it was so important that he did this in, in John chapter one, In verse 12, he says, yet to all who did receive him, talking about Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Individual children of God. 
John wanted to communicate a level of closeness and intimacy in this statement. He literally created a new phrase. If you look again in in John chapter one, verse 12, highlight it on the screens and you'll see this as you're reading. He uses the phrase believed in. This was never used in all of history that we have recorded up until the moment that John wrote this phrase. He took two words and put them together, two words that have never been put together before to express the level of closeness and personalness um, and intimacy that's involved in this relationship with Jesus. That we believe in him. Not that we believe what he's done or we believe what we've heard about him or not that we even believe who he says he is, but we believe in him. In him. What John is writing here is is revolutionary. In him. In him. Because if I'm going through life and I only believe in what somebody can do. I believe what God can do for me. I believe what is possible. I believe what scripture says. I believe what, then, then there's a connection to the response instead of the giver of the response. There's a connection to the provision instead of the one who is actually the provision. So when I go through a hard time in life and things aren't going the way that I want them to, then there's a disconnect in me because I'm looking for what God is going to do in a situation instead of trusting in him regardless. So I'm going through a hard time and my health isn't where it needs to be. God, you said that you're my healer. I'm gonna put all my focus on my healing, my healing, my healing, my healing. I'm focusing on what you can do for me. And that's not necessarily wrong, but it's out of balance. Because if God chooses not to heal you for a season, you'll get frustrated because he's not moving in the timeline that you've set for him to operate in. But if your focus is in trusting in him and believing in him and not what he can do, then you're at peace because you know that he's got your best interest in mind. So it doesn't matter what I walk through. It doesn't matter what I face. It doesn't matter if he moves at my timeline or not. I trust that he's got my best in his interest. I trust, I believe in him. Believe in him. It's different. It's different, it's personal. And I think a lot of times we get frustrated in life and we lose the power of our story and the power of our testimony because we're waiting for God to do something instead of trusting in him regardless. And we're responding to what's happening instead of residing in his presence. See, when you're focused on him, it's easy to talk about him. When you're focused on what's happening, all you talk about is what's happening. Pop quiz, what dominates your conversation? What do you talk about the most? What are you focused on the most? 
the testimony or the covenant that you're standing in or the stuff that you're having to deal with in life. Why is that important, Pastor Josh? Well, it's incredibly important because church is not a waiting room for heaven. Church is not a waiting room for heaven. What does that mean? That means we have a job to do while we're here. We are supposed to be telling this world about Jesus. Amen? How many of you will say, Pastor Josh, I know that the Bible not just encourages us or instructs us, but it's an actual command from Jesus for us to go into the world and make disciples of all the nations. How many of you have read that? And you know that that's the truth. It's the truth. Listen, whether you believe it or not, it's the truth. Whether you feel like that's for you or not, you're still going to be judged by the word of God. Okay? Now, I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to encourage you in the right direction. Why? Because so many times <clears throat> we get distracted and we forget to stay on point. And I think we get distracted a lot because we're focused on the what of God instead of being in, believing in, staying in, walking in, abiding in that relationship with him because it's personal. It's personal. It's personal. See, religion teaches you church is something that you do on Sundays because that's what good people do. We're in the South, right? Oh, we're right smack in the middle of the Bible Belt. So church is what you do if you're a good Christian person. And you might come to church and agree with what the Bible says morally, but that is not the same as having a personal relationship with Jesus. It's not the same. Well, I'll come to church on Sunday and then I'll get on about the rest of my life. You are so deceived that you don't even realize it. That is a religious mindset. That is the mindset that Jesus came to destroy. The ritual, routine, and operation, just going through the motions, he wants it to be real personal and alive. 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 Well, what is it? Because, see, when you're caught in a religious cycle, you judge people instead of reaching people. When you're caught in a religious cycle, you'd rather tell people what they're doing wrong instead of sharing your story and pulling them into a relationship with Jesus. We're called to do more. We're called to do more. And what's beautiful is this. God has set it up so that, it's like we talked about last week, as we get closer to him and he changes us, he changes our heart and we begin to reflect his heart. And when we love like God loves, we see like God sees. He changes us. He changes us and gives us that story to share with others. Your, your testimony is powerful, <clears throat> but it's only powerful when it's real and it's authentic, when it's happening out of a personal relationship with Jesus instead of the routine of a religious cycle. When you've really encountered Jesus, it shows, and you can't help but talk about him. There's, there's a lot of examples in scripture that show the power of, of telling the testimony, and I want to walk you through a couple of those this morning. John chapter four is a great one. John chapter four, verse 27. Jesus had been speaking to a Samaritan woman who was sitting by a well. 
And this woman had a past, she had a history, and Jesus was navigating her through that. And she came into the realization of who Jesus was, and he looked at her and basically said, go and ho, no mo. And, and so she had a change in life. But look at what happened here, it's amazing. You guys still with me? My voice driving you nuts? All right, all right. Go and ho, no mo. There you go. Verse 27 <laughs> says, just then his disciples came back. Look at their response here. They were shocked to find him talking to a, to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? What do you want with her? I like sometimes how people read the PG version of the Bible. Jesus was talking to a hoe at a well that he wasn't supposed to be talking to. And the disciples were like, why is he talking to a hoe? Is there something about Jesus we need? Now, come on, you see what I'm saying here? Why is he talking to this woman? But they didn't have the guts or the nerve, the Bible says, to, to ask, what are you doing with this hoe, Jesus? Uh, why are you talking to her? So the woman left her jar or water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everybody. Who does she tell? Everybody. Now, Pay attention to what she's telling these people. Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Now, she didn't talk <clears throat> about historical facts or prophecies that would prove that Jesus was a Messiah. She pointed to what he did for her and said, there's something different about this guy. Why don't y'all come listen to him? What she did was point to what Jesus had personally done in her life. Chapter four, verse 39, skipping down, says many Samaritans from the village, look at this, believed in Jesus because <clears throat> the woman had said, he told me everything I did. And they came out to see him. They begged him to stay in their village. And he stayed for two days long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman, now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because of what we have heard, or because we've heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world. Your story is powerful when you put it in the hands of God. Mark chapter five is another account of somebody just telling their story of what Jesus did in their lives. This was a guy that Jesus had cast some demons out of and this is after the fact now as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed by demons begged him to go with him. But Jesus said no, go home and tell to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he's been. So the man started off to visit the 10 towns in the surrounding area or of that region and began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for who? For him. And everyone was amazed at what he had told them. This guy flies under the radar as being one of the coolest evangelists ever mentioned in scripture. Demons cast out of him and he went on a 10 city tour 
just telling his testimony, just talking about what Jesus had done in his life. John chapter nine is another one. Jesus had just healed a guy who had been blind from life. A huge miracle. And the crowd around him is beginning to respond and religious leaders are starting to step in and they're like, well, we've never seen a blind guy really healed before like this, so we gotta find out if this is a real test, a real testimony of a real healing or if this is just baloney that somebody's been paid to share. And so they're questioning this guy in verse 24. says, so for the second time they called in the man who had been blind and told him, God should get glory for this. Because we know this man, Jesus, is a sinner. Good old Pharisees. I don't know. Look at this man's reply. I don't know whether he's a sinner or not, the man replied. But I know this. I was blind, and now I see. I was blind, and now I see. He didn't even try to defend Jesus. He didn't even try to pull out his book of apologetics and say, no, he can't because he's the spotless lamb of God. Prophecy speaks about, no, he said, look, I don't know about what you're talking about, but I know I was blind and I know now I'm not. I can see what's going on in me. See, when you got a testimony like that, it doesn't matter what people say to you. You don't have to defend it because it's personal and it's real inside of you. I don't know what you're talking about. You might not believe in God, but I know how jacked up I was on the inside and God healed me and restored me. I know you might not have have time for this, but I'm here to tell you, he put my marriage back together and restored it. So you can talk all day long about what you think God isn't. I know what he's done for me me in my life and you can't take that away because it's personal it's a personal testimony that we have and you might say well I don't have a huge testimony like that Pastor Josh I I hadn't been blind and God hadn't opened up my eyes and I hadn't been a hoe by a well and God hadn't come told me to stop hoeing or anything like that you know Pastor Josh I don't have this beautiful testimony to talk about the grace of God like all of this stuff I'm just me but let me ask you a question did you get up this morning are you breathing right now If you're breathing right now, then you're here for a purpose. And the purpose is to share your story with others so that we can spread the gospel and make disciples of all nations. Amen? You got shoes on your feet today? Did you have to walk to church today? Did you spend the night out in the cold last night? Then you got a testimony of God's provision in your life. You see what I'm saying? We all, hey, listen, if we got nothing else, if we've got nothing else, then we've got Jesus died on a cross for me. For me. At my worst, at my worst, he died for me because he loved me that much. We've got a testimony to share. We've got a testimony to share. I think too often, we let our life story get defined by the wrong moment or by the wrong event or by the wrong truth being spoken in our lives. And we let our life story get defined by the doctor's report that says we have cancer or the doctor's report 
that says that our liver is failing. We let it get defined by the bad news. We let our life get defined by the abusive relationship that we were in. We let our life get defined by the the words that have been spoken over us and all of the things that people in our past have told us that we would never be and never be able to do. We let our story get defined by the lies that the enemy whispers in our ears through the whole process. We let our, our, our life story be defined by the divorce. We let our life story be defined by the failure in our lives when we finally stepped out to do something, but it didn't work out the way that we thought it was going to, and we fell on our face. Falling on your face doesn't mean that you stay there. Falling on your face means that you get back up, you dust off your knees, and you keep walking. Failure is part of life. Doesn't define you. Let it refine you and teach you and learn some lessons from what's happening. Okay? Don't let the wrong event in life dictate and set the narrative of the story that you're telling. I think instead of focusing on those events, we need to focus on a different event that happened 2,000 years ago where Jesus gave his life on a cross and we let that define us. We let that set the standard and the tone for the story that we're telling in our lives. Yeah, I went through a divorce, but Jesus healed me and restored me. Yeah, I failed, but Jesus gave me the grace to get up and carry on. Yeah, I don't have all the answers. Yeah, I failed time and time again, but God's grace and faithfulness has been there every time. I was a sinner. I've been saved by grace. He washed me in his blood. He made me brand new. I'm not who I used to be anymore. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. I'm a child of the most high God. I'm above only and not beneath. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm not what the doctor says that I have. I am a child of God. Everything in this world is temporary, but five billion years from now, I'm still going to be who God said that I am. That's the story of my life. Don't let the narrative of your story get set by the wrong event. Telling your testimony is powerful. It is powerful because it does a few things. It, It reminds you of God's grace and faithfulness. It reminds you of his grace and faithfulness every time. Oh, wow. Like I said earlier, it's hard to get beat down by life when you're focused on how good God is and how good he's been. Second thing it does, it, it encourages others and builds their faith. It encourages others and builds their faith. When you tell your testimony, not only does it reach others for Jesus in a personal way, but it builds the faith of everybody that you come into contact with because it's personal and it's real. And it's not some these and thou paragraph taken out of a Bible that some people can't connect with. It's something real that's happened with you that they know because of a Jesus that you believe in. Not that you believe what he can do. You believe in him. And there's a difference. It encourages others. Let me tell you this. I'm not feeling the best this morning. I got this stuffy head. and 
My voice is all over the place. And praise God, it's holding up so far, though. Um, so my kids picked up on daddy's not feeling 100% this week. So I spent most of the week working out of home and, and doing everything that I needed to do, but they could hear me talk like this and know. And right. Both of my children came up to me at different times this week, multiple times this week. And they laid their little hands on me without mama in the room and on their own accord they prayed for their dad to be healed and that's awesome man that'll do something for a dad's heart like nothing else listen because I might not be able to give them everything I want to give them right now but I'm giving them what matters the most I'm giving them Jesus and he's in their hearts and Hannah came and prayed some. I mean, when they prayed, I felt the presence of God in the room. A little Abby came up. Daddy, I want to pray for you. She said, God, Daddy doesn't feel good. Please help Daddy feel better. In Jesus' name, amen. And that was it. Powerful little prayer, though, man. Just breathed life to many, into me when she did that. Now, I'm telling you this story and sharing something real that's happened in my life. What's happening to your faith right now? You know, I got a phone call this week, too, um, from somebody. This is a cool testimony. I'm going to have them give it later, I think, as, as long as they want, they want to. I'm speaking before I ask them. Uh, but but <clears throat> they've been praying, and we just did this big all-in thing as a church. And, and part of that, we're going to you know, grow in worship, discipleship, um, and in uh, our generosity, and in um, how we evangelize and tell people about our faith. And this is part of what we're doing in the series. And so she had prayed and God laid an amount on her heart to give for the year and that's what she was going to do. And she called me and said, Pastor Josh, you're not gonna believe this, but I felt like God told me to give this amount and it was a larger amount. And she said, it's amazing because um, I've already got the money in to be able to meet my giving goal for the year even with the craziness going on in the world and gas prices skyrocketing um god provided for her to already meet the giving goal so now she's got the rest of the year to watch god show off and go above and beyond that's how awesome the god is that we serve when you put him first when you put him first <clears throat> he'll always take care of you see testimonies are powerful most of all because it gives God glory for what he's done. And that's the end game right there, to give God the glory for what he has done. Our story, our personal testimony and talking to people, so easy, so natural to do. I talk about Jesus just as naturally as I talk about my kids. Why? Why? because he's right there in my heart. You always talk about the things you're passionate about. You always talk about the ones that you love the most. I'm gonna to talk to you about my family. I'm gonna to talk to you about my kids. I'm gonna to talk to you about football, guarantee you. But sooner or later, I'm always gonna to talk to you about what God is doing in me and in the church and what Jesus has done for my life. Why? Because it takes it from something that's out there and it puts it right here. Your testimony is something you can use every day at work. <clears throat> every time you're around family that needs to know about Jesus. 
Your testimony is something that you can use around believers to encourage. But you're just naturally talking about what God has already done in you because you're giving a testimony of the covenant that you have with Jesus. Because you're believing in him and not just what he can do. It's real. And people pick up on things that are real. You understand me? How many of you have heard a politician make promises and you knew? And you knew. This is a bunch of junk. But how many of you heard someone speak passionately from the heart and you knew this is real? That's the power of the testimony that you have. Paul was one of the smartest people to ever walk planet Earth. Paul was a guy that God used to write the majority of the New Testament. Paul spoke multiple languages. He had the equivalent of a PhD. Okay, he had memorized thousands of verses of scripture. Paul was a sharp guy. <clears throat> Paul could be eloquent. Paul could give you a lot of facts. But in Acts 26, when Paul stood in front of Agrippa, the king, and had to give an account of himself to the king, you know what Paul did? Paul didn't use theology. He didn't use apologetics. He didn't stand there and really even even raise the dead or any of that stuff. He stood and he spoke about his story. He told Agrippa about his personal experience with Jesus and how it had changed his life. In fact, he started out, and this is a good outline, for telling your story, by the way. I don't know how to tell my testimony. I don't know how to tell my story. Well, this is a good tool to use to walk your way through it. He starts by talking about his life before Christ. How many of y'all remember who you were before Jesus came into your heart? How many of you think you could talk about that for more than just a minute? The bad decisions, the bad relationships, all the trips to the club, all, all the all of the elements that were put into our bodies, all of of the crazy stuff that we've done, we've got plenty of stuff to talk about because we all know, we all know who we were before Jesus. The second thing, if you read Acts chapter 26, you're gonna see Paul talk about how he realized his need for Jesus. Do you remember when you came into the reality of who you were compared to God. You recognize your need for a savior in your life. Yeah, I used to be like that. And then I realized that wasn't the answer. I realized there was a hole inside of me. I realized that I needed Jesus in my life. And the third thing he did, he talked about how he received Jesus. He talked about his conversion how powerful it was and how it impacted his life. Do you guys remember the day that you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Hey, if you're here today or you're watching online and you can't say you remember that day, hopefully today will be that day for you. It's the most powerful day of my life. Everything changed for me on that day just like it changed for you on that day. Why? Because it wasn't a preacher saying words. 
It wasn't a, an undefeatable presentation of biblical truth that I couldn't refute. It was something right here that was so real and so personal. I couldn't deny the reality of what I was feeling pulling on the inside of me. Because it's a personal relationship with Jesus. And he talked about how Jesus changed his life. And we can tell the same story. <clears throat> Doesn't mean that we're perfect. I think one of the more beautiful parts of our testimony is that we're works in progress. That God is growing us and maturing us as we go along the way. And I think it disarms one of the big misconceptions of people out there. Our churches are full of hypocrites. Yeah. Absolutely. And if you watch me close enough, you'll see something in my life that is inconsistent with the word of God. Why? Because I live in this stuff right here. And by net definition, biblically, biblically, I'm jacked up and I need Jesus. Thank God we have Jesus. Don't talk to me about how the church, the whole world's full of hypocrites. Are you kidding me? Good grief. He talks about how Jesus changed his life. And then he turns and he says to Agrippa, hey, that Jesus can do the same thing for you. He can do the same thing for you. You're going through a rough season in your life. Hey, I get it. I've been there too. That doesn't mean that I'm feeling everything that you're feeling right now because I'm not trying to one-up you, but I get what it's like to go through a tough season in life. Let me share with you how Jesus built my faith and allowed me to walk through what should have been an impossible season for me. Your heart's devastated. Yeah, I've been there too. See, your testimony, your testimony can become one of the most powerful tools that you have to connect with people in the process of going through life reaching them where they are, finding that common ground and pointing them back to Jesus. And it just flows naturally. Your testimony, your story, your story is powerful. Don't you ever be ashamed to share your story. Don't you ever be ashamed to share what Jesus has delivered you out of. <clears throat> don't ever be ashamed to talk about what Jesus is in the process of walking you through. Well, people are going to know I don't have it all together. Hey, guess what? We already know that. We already know that. You ain't fooling nobody. You're fooling nobody. Just be you. Well, how do y'all know that? Because we all go through this stuff. But our testimony encourages others our testimony can connect on a personal level our personal story hits on a personal level if we talk about our personal relationship with Jesus and it's easy it's so easy stand to our feet this morning as we get ready to close heads bowed eyes closed I want to ask you just one or two questions this morning heads bowed eyes closed no one looking around one what story are you telling 
Are you allowing yourself to be defined by the wrong event in life? What story are you telling? Are you telling the story of what's, what you're going through and what's happening to you? And are you telling a story that's negative and defeated and pointed all at yourself and your needs? Or are you telling the story about the right event focused on Jesus and what he's done in your life? Doesn't mean life isn't perfect. And I think, like I said earlier, that's the more powerful part of the testimony is that we can talk about what Jesus is doing in us and through us in these moments to connect with others. How many of you would say this morning, Pastor Josh, I am going to start using my story the right way to reach people for Jesus? I'm going to give a testimony of the covenant that I have with him. And I'm going to let the story of my life encourage others and make Jesus famous. I'm going to use my story to point others towards him. Your head's bowed and your eyes closed and no one looking around. If that's you this morning, and maybe you haven't been, but you feel like the Lord's kind of encouraged you or convicted you or nudged you today to make that decision. On a count of three, I want you to lift your eyes up and look at me. Here we go. One, two, three. Lift them up and look at me all over this place. I see yours and yours. I see yours and yours. Praise God. Once you lift them up, you can put them back down. One more time, if you haven't lifted your eyes up, lift them up and look at me if you need to. I see yours. Praise God. Everyone look up at me. We have a powerful testimony. Amen? Now let me ask you a question. Is God worthy to be praised because of the testimony that we have in our lives? For the story that he's given us? It's like that, that song that was written so long ago says, it says, when I think about the Lord, how he saved me, how he's changed me, how he's filled me with his Holy Ghost, how he's healed me to the uttermost. When I think about the Lord, how he's picked me up and turned me around and he set my feet on solid ground. And it says, it just makes me want to shout to think about what he's brought us out of and what he's walking us into. He's so worthy of praise, amen? I just wanted to close the service out with a little bit of praise and a little bit of worship, giving God praise for the testimony that we have, for that testimony of the new covenant that we have personally, individually in Christ. That's why we're all here today. And he's worthy, amen? So all, all across this place and you guys watching at home, let's just stand to our feet if we physically can. Let's lift up our hands and let's just begin to worship Jesus. I'm gonna have the band take us through a song and let's just forget about what's going on in life. Forget about what's going on in this room. Forget about the person next to you and let's give God thanks for that personal story that we have in him.